0: Good morning. It's 6 a.m. on a Thursday, headed to work for my 7 a.m. patient. I'm feeling inspired today. I interviewed Dr. Taryn McCarthy, orthodontist, podcast host of The Business of Happiness, and we talked all about how to be happy despite your external circumstances. One of the great things she said yesterday was, She was incredibly unhappy in her life. And without changing anything external to her, only changing her internal world, she achieved what she calls radical happiness, which is insane. Think about your life now. Are you thinking, I'll be happy when this changes? I think that all the time. And she thought differently and said, I'll be happy when I change my internal circumstances. Taryn, if you're listening, thank you so much for the interview. Guys, you're gonna love this episode. Talk to you guys soon. Is when it just starts like a rolling conversation because people are more interested, almost like they're picking up the conversation two minutes into it and they're missing the first part and they like that more.
1: I love it, I love it. Like they're eavesdropping in on a private conversation. Like who are these
0: two cool kids talking about life? I wanna get in on this.
1: I love that. Let's do it. So
0: I want to start with the origin story because you were or are a successful practicing orthodontist and now you're down to one day a week because you're helping people live their potential and their careers. So tell me about it. Mm. What sparked this transition?
1: You know, thank you so much for asking the question. I appreciate it, Vince. And you know, it's so interesting. I had a journey as we all do, but... I think what really struck me during COVID was when I watched all of my incredible colleagues who were having to shut down their practices during the lockdown, putting these precious team members who they cared about so much on unemployment, holding their practices together financially and emotionally and trying to reach out to their patients, doing everything possible to take care of the world around them and completely terrified and scared and unhappy themselves. And when we came back out of co- out of the lockdown, I saw the same thing. These men and women literally putting smiles on children's faces on a daily basis. I mean, the best job in the world, and scared, unhappy, worried, overwhelmed, burnt out. And I thought there has got to be another way for us to be able to serve people in such a beautiful way and find that inner fulfillment for ourselves. And, you know, I've been there myself. I went on this journey myself. And, you know, 15 years ago, I was that dentist who had everything. The practice, finally achieved the practice of my dreams, was seeing patients every day, had bought the house, the fancy house, the fancy car, and had the beautiful family. And I was so unhappy, just wishing every day away and wishing for the weekends to come, just thinking that I couldn't live my true self until I was finally on the weekends or on vacations. And I started to hear myself very early in my career dreaming of my retirement. And you know, it's so fascinating because we don't realize how much of our lives we wish away, even when we think we've achieved our dreams. And, I, and you know that's where I started working on how can we change this for ourselves? How can we turn this around? Because when we feel great about ourselves, that's when we can have even greater impact on the communities and our families.
0: So what was the source of this unhappiness? If you had the perfect practice, the perfect marriage, how could you still be unhappy?
1: You know what's so interesting is I actually, when I was miserable, I actually did the only thing I knew how to do, which was run. You know, I thought I blamed everything around me. I thought it was the practice. I thought it was the... the. um insurance companies. I thought it was financial situations. I thought it was my student loan debt. I started to blame myself as well. I was embarrassed. I was I mean, I felt so guilty for having all of this opportunity and still being so miserable. And so the only thing I knew was to run away. So I sold my practice. I fled the state (laughs) you know i sought out a bankruptcy attorney i thought oh my gosh let me just turn my back on all my financial obligations if i could have vince i think i might have left my children because i just felt so overwhelmed and i didn't know another way to cope and what i realized in doing so was the one thing i couldn't run away from was myself And that started for me a really beautiful journey of understanding and getting to know myself in the process. Um, Unlearning some of the old beliefs that had held me limited in my perspective and started to really get into touch with what success meant to me, not someone else's algorithm of success, not somebody else's definition of why and when you should be happy, but really getting in touch with what mattered to me.
0: So was the source of the unhappiness the tremendous amount of stress you were feeling and then you weren't able to live out maybe even your true self?
1: You know, I think the source was within me, to be honest with you. I never, in all my dental school career, in all my achievements throughout school and then dental school and then orthodontic residency and then purchasing a practice, I don't think I ever took a moment to ask myself what I wanted. I just was chasing something that I thought other people looked happy doing. And I thought, well, then that's, I'll be happy when... You know, that that saying, I'll be happy when I get to, when I'm finally a dentist. And in those years, when I was just pursuing getting my dental degree, I stopped paying attention to myself. So I neglected my body. I neglected relationships. I neglected my own spiritual and emotional wellness. And it became a muscle that I forgot how to use you know, I forgot how to feel happiness. I was putting happiness off until one day when, and I wasn't learning how to cultivate that happiness within myself. So it's so interesting you say, was it the stress? Because here I am 15 years later, same practice, uh, model, same, uh, way that I collect finances from my patients, same way that I manage my team, but everything, everything changed. Now, because I've been able to work on that clearer understanding of myself, because I gave myself the permission to be quiet and still and listen to what I needed, and to give myself the permission to take action on what was important to me, now every day is, Fabulous. I love what I do. So the stresses are no different. The external circumstances haven't changed. For me, everything changed in terms of my perspective.
0: And that is, I had to just reiterate what you said. So you are tremendously more happy and yet the external world hasn't changed. Cause how many people say, like you just said, I'll be happy when this changes so how did you start to make the change in your life to accept the same external circumstances but be happier for it
1: a couple of big things changed in my life number one i was introduced to meditation and it's so interesting vince because when you asked me what started this journey for me and i told you around covid time I was noticing this in my in my colleagues. I had started a, a podcast myself called "The Business of Happiness Podcast," and I started interviewing successful people, very successful business owners, who were also happy. And I tried to tease out what is the common theme here? How do incredible CEOs of multi-million dollar companies running? you know, 150 person or 150,000 person corporations find peace and happiness. And you know what was the most common habit pattern was meditation. And having a meditative practice on a daily basis, I found in the dental world is such an enormous benefit in terms of being able to regulate our own nervous systems. So, you know, you mentioned the stress of medicine and dentistry. Of course, we, we're constantly inundated multiple times a day with stressful triggers or moments that could absolutely cause us to go straight to that fight or flight sympathetic nervous system response. But what we never learned was how to come back, how to guide our bodies back to parasympathetic nervous system state. It's something that, you know, elite athletes learn. When you're standing on top of that, that ski jump, you're about to do this very scary thing and everyone's watching you and all the cameras have their lenses on you. Of course, your nervous system is going to be on fire but they practice how to increase their vagal tone, that vagus nerve with our parasympathetic nervous system, how to get back to calm, even when the you know what is hitting the fan in front of you. And I wish that we taught this to our dental students in dental school, because there are so many opportunities for that in our workplace every day, and we become almost numb to it because it's so business as usual for us, right? You just, you step into the office and it's go, 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 go. Emergencies, disasters happen all day, whether it's as big as a medical emergency of a patient in your chair or as small as your suction machine crashing on you, (laughs) which blows your whole day, or your front desk, Superwoman just gave her two week notice. All of these things trigger our nervous system in such a violent way. And when we do, when we have that space of stress, we can't access that brilliant, brilliant intelligence, experience, human compassion, creativity, it's like we put up a brick wall to all those parts of ourselves that we need as business owners and as practitioners, but we also love about ourselves. And you know, I think that was the most terrifying part for me when I was in that terrible place 15 years ago. I remember looking in the mirror and not even liking the person I saw in the mirror, not even recognizing her. And I now know it's because I had put up this brick wall to all the beautiful parts of myself. And it wasn't something I did consciously. It was just because I was living in this perpetual state of survival that felt like normal to me because I'd been there for so long.
0: So when you lost compassion for other people, you probably lost compassion for yourself as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, you know, that doubles the stress, right? That guilt and shame that you then start doubling back on yourself. It's very hard to judge others without it being some kind of a reflection on yourself. I I love to say all judgment is self-judgment. Anytime we find ourselves judging someone. It really is a whisper to insight that there's something within ourselves that we're judging. And that feels terrible.
0: Absolutely. It's interesting you said yeah. you were in constant survival mode. Because like, when you're trying to just survive, compassion is like the last thing you're thinking about. You're just trying to get to the next day, get to lunch, get to the end of the day. So what does your daily meditation practice look like now?
1: Oh. It's non-negotiable, number one. (laughs) It really is. You know, I think there are certain things that I do to support myself because that was a very important lesson I learned is that I needed to have radical personal responsibility for myself and not leave that responsibility on my patients or my team or my kids, you know, for them to be fueling my happiness or my significance or my validation. So that radical personal responsibility meant taking care of my body and taking care of my health and taking care of my spiritual wellness and my emotional wellness. So I I do all of those things every single day. Which means, you know, working out, taking time for myself and meditation and the one piece that is non-negotiable of all those which are all very important is the meditation. And the reason why is because I noticed on the days I skip calming my nervous system down which is what for me meditation is. It's a way to just guide my body to calm and set my day off for success. You know, I know, I don't know if you've ever had this, Vince, but have you ever jumped out of bed stressed? Oh, daily. All, <laughs> All the, the time, <laughs> <laughs> right? So starting out your day that way, I mean, that's what a, what a horrible way for us to start our day, to jump out of bed immediately with that talk track in your head of how you're going to address some disaster at work or some conflict with a patient. And so for me, it's a daily first thing in the morning before I even brush my teeth. Before And so I get up before the kids do. So I get up much earlier than anyone else in the household. And it has become such a beautiful time for me. And if I don't have enough time, I'll make it 15 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes. But if I have enough time, I love a good half hour. And then I have some journaling reflection, but to me, Starting my day that way is so powerful. It just gives me a platform from which to access, like I said, those beautiful parts of myself that I love, that I've learned to love, that I've learned to appreciate and not shy away from. And then I can show up as my authentic self in all aspects of my life.
0: Wow. So it seems like, and you'll agree with this too, healthcare workers well, forget about the beautiful parts of themselves like you explained because they're constantly trying to please other people or constantly trying to take care of others and kind of take care of themselves. So how did you come up with the four responses to stress in that four-part series you post on Spotify, which is ama- amazing, oh. by the way?
1: Thank you so much. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because it's what we learn about in dental school, fight, flight, or freeze, and then... The fourth one that we were talking about before we jumped on here was Fawn. And I think it's so interesting. Once again, we go back to the fact that we don't realize we're in fight or flight. We don't realize we're in a sympathetic nervous system storm, but we are. I mean, I I challenge you that every single dentist, every single day is in a sympathetic nervous system state. It's not possible to not be. And the only thing we can do is learn how to bring ourselves back. That's it. There's no way that we can be doing this incredible work. And I think that's what sets medicine and dentistry apart from other, you know, healthcare providers is that we're constantly in a space of stress and learning to recognize when we are there is so powerful. So having that awareness of when you're doing something that is a behavior that is subsequent to stress. So things like, you know, there's the obvious things, like I've heard of um, dentists, you know, throwing instruments across the room. We've all heard of these stories. And when I hear those stories, my heart immediately melts because I think that poor dentist is under so much stress. We don't even know what we're doing in that space. We're just in a place of fight, just like a caged lion, you know, get me out. Or as I told you in my story was flee. You know, let me just throw this all upset the the apple cart. Let me just throw this all away because it's just way too overwhelming. You know, how quickly can I get out of here? Another way that I saw flee in my life was escaping into alcohol, or escaping into excessive exercise, or you know any way to just distract myself from the stress and the overwhelm. And that, and that is a perfect example of flee, a perfect example of being in a trauma response. Another um, interesting thing was um, recognizing when I was experiencing what I call fawn And fawn is when, you know, you haven't, you didn't fight your way out, you didn't flee your way out or freeze, but now you're fawning and fawning is when we're begging people to love us. So if you imagine in an abusive relationship, um, you know, that person keeps coming back, the victim keeps coming back, please love me, please love me. That fawning behavior is a direct result of being in a stress state and how often we see that as practitioners in dentistry, especially business owners, really begging people to love us, begging people to accept us, begging patients to come to our office or begging our team members. You know, I'll never forget hearing so many of my colleagues when we'd get together um, for cocktails and we'd be talking about our practices and we'd hear over and over again, the wound that we carry as business owners when a team member leaves. And we think, gosh, I tried so hard. I just wanted to make her happy. I did everything I could. I kept giving more and more. Couldn't she see that? I was just trying to give so much to, and you hear the language. It's that behavior pattern of people pleasing that goes outside of what we need. It's putting our own needs to the side in search of that validation from outside of ourselves. And, you know, a lot of these behavior patterns were created in our belief structure in childhood. And some of us came from chaotic households, right? Where it didn't feel safe all the time when there was confrontation. And so that is completely understandable why when a patient is confrontational. You might go straight to a stress response, a trauma response, because it was established in your childhood that that didn't feel safe, right? The same is true for people-pleasing. Some of us grew up in households where we might have heard grandmothers, mothers saying things like, I'll only be happy when all my children are happy, or one day when all the grandkids are happy, then I'll finally have peace and I'll be able to feel happiness. And we, we don't realize how that imprints on, on us psychologically and shows up again later in life when we're in a space of fear or feeling like we're being attacked or feeling like our safety is challenged we tend to revert back to those old paradigms that became a deeply ingrained part of our subconscious.
0: And that is the biggest scam when you say to yourself, I'll be happy when this happens. Because it's happened, I I said to myself too, I'll be happy when I drop all insurance and I'm purely fee for service. Then I did it and I gave everyone discounts because I'm afraid they're gonna leave them on a network now.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, Absolutely. and any time we say that, I'll be happy when, it's, it's a joke because we keep kicking that can down the road. You know, even if we look at money for a moment, money is such a beautiful example of this. You know, if you think back 15 years ago, if you probably had a number, I'll be happy when this number, well, that number came and went a long time ago. Did you ever even notice it? Probably not because you were just creating in the next number, the next number, you know. Once upon a time, $1,000 was a lot of money in your pocket, you know, and that, that felt like if I could just get that, if I could just have this amount of money in my bank account, if I could just have this amount of my student loans paid off. But we keep kicking that can down the road and the fallacy is in waiting for something outside of us to bring us happiness. And the beauty and the incredible, just miracle is that we actually can create that for ourselves right now, no matter what external situation you are in. It doesn't matter how bad you think life is right now. There's an incredible power that each of us has inside of ourselves to be able to tap into happiness. And the power of that is that once we allow ourselves to feel those elevated emotions, we can now start accessing those incredible parts of ourselves that have the creative problem-solving ability, the new perspective. Now we start seeing opportunities where we once saw lack. And it's simply because we allow ourselves to rise up on that emotional scale to a better feeling Thought, a better feeling, feeling. You know, and I think this is where we forget how important happiness is. It's not just because it feels good. It's not just because this is our one life to live and we should be enjoying every moment and not wishing our lives away. It's because there's power in happiness, there's success in happiness, there's enormous achievement and abundance. When we give ourselves the permission to reach for happiness,
0: I love how you end every podcast when you say, because when you're happy, you can do better work or good work for other people. And I don't make that connection myself. I don't think a lot of people do. Yeah. So, other than
1: such an important thing, other than
0: meditation, how are we turning the corner here? How are we producing internal happiness regardless of our external circumstances?
1: Yeah, great question. So I dive really deeply into this in my program called Radical Happiness for Practitioners. It's a 12 week program. And it really is the how to find and tap into that happiness for yourself. And it's, it's brilliant. Please check it out www.thebizofhappiness.com forward slash radical happiness. I invite all of your listeners. And it
0: comes out May 5th, right? On Friday?
1: Oh, actually, that, thank you for mentioning that. That's a, a masterclass that I'm offering, but this ra- this twelve week program actually comes out May twenty. Okay, great. So we have plenty of, we, have, we have plenty of time, um, and I'd love to, as a as a gift to your listeners, offer your guests or your listeners a, a discount. Oh, wonderful! On the, on the course, great. so if you just use the code ten happy uh, when you go to check out for the registration for the course, you'll get ten percent discount for all of. Uh, This incredible podcast listeners. So that's really where we dive into the deep transformation that is incredible to watch in all of my graduates from the program, but I'll give you some little tips that you can start using in your everyday practice right now. Meditation is phenomenal. And, you know, I started meditating. I didn't even realize I was meditating when I was running. So we can find meditation in walking, in running, whatever practice you have that has this, you know, repetitive pace, something that is allowing you to be breathing and keeping your mind off of telephones and, and music or you know um, podcasts. But giving yourself time and space to just be quiet with yourself is a great way to start meditation. But of course, the practice gets better and better the more you can allow yourself to just let the thoughts flow freely. Meditating in the morning is amazing. It's my absolute non-negotiable, as I mentioned. I also have a gratitude and a celebration practice at night before I go to bed. So in other words, reminding myself of those beautiful moments during the day, celebrating the moments, because the one thing I noticed during my practice in dentistry is I would take these little five second disasters and replay them over and over and over again in my head. And they became the biggest part of my day. So I thought, what if I, right before bed, could take those beautiful moments and make them the bigger part of my day. And I found my sleep was better. So I love bookending the day with great, calm, mindful, feel-good practices. But in those 15 hours, about, in between the two bookends, something that works so well to bring us back into a parasympathetic nervous system state is simply breathing. And it's such a great practice because you can do it behind a mask while you're speaking to a patient or in the meeting with a, with a team member and no one knows you're doing it. But the key is literally taking a nice deep breath in, you know, diaphragmatic breath, holding it at the top and then fully, fully exhaling. And you can do it to account. So I like something called a four, seven, eight breathing. So inhale for four, hold it at the top, and exhale for eight. So actually, let's do it right now because you'll see how much it affects your nervous system. So I'll walk you through it. So just get comfortable as you're listening to this episode. And just follow me and take a nice deep inhale through your nose and feel your belly extend two, three four and hold it hold that full feeling we're probably about three four five six seven and now slowly exhale through your mouth three four five six seven eight let's do one more take a deep breath in two three hold it two three four five six seven exhale two three four five six seven eight now we just did two rounds but just notice in your body how much more relaxed you feel
0: much more relaxed i haven't activated in my parasympathetic system since like I was 17.
1: Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And it And it literally works that quickly. I like to do three rounds. And literally that doesn't take any time out of your day, but I do those breathing breaks at least five times a Is day. Is that
0: when you notice when you're extra stressed or just like, you know, I gotta get five in. I'm just every couple hours. Okay. Yep.
1: I do it preemptively. I do it when I'm extra stressed. It's a great, it's a great go-to for on-demand, but I also use it preemptively. So I used to have breathing break alarms on my phone, but that gets interrupting with patient mm-hmm. care. So what I started to do was put a um, sticky note and post-it note on my, on my desktop computer that just says breathe. And then when I sit down at the computer, now I do it so that I tell my body, I bring myself back to that parasympathetic nervous system state. And what you're doing is increasing your vagal tone. And there are many practices that we go through in Radical Happiness, so many more, of how to really increase that vagal tone so that you can find yourself back to calm when you get activated, because there'll never be a time in your life where you're not triggered. There'll never be a time where you don't get activated by something or someone. Yes, eventually those times become fewer and fewer once you start to create more calm in your life, but having that practice of returning to calm begins to become strengthened when you use these practices on a regular basis.
0: What is vagal tone?
1: So vagal tone is exactly that. It's coming back from stress state to calm okay. state. That's all it is. It's in, that tone. If you imagine like the, the tone of a muscle, we're strengthening that muscle of the return from stress to calm. And that's really all it is. It's just how quickly can you return to calm?
0: Have you read the book Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers by Robert Sapolsky?
1: Yes, great book. This
0: is reminding me just like that. that We're we're not designed to endure all this chronic stress, but we do anyway.
1: Mm -hmm. We do, and you know, I think unfortunately in dentistry we've almost created a badge of honor for pushing through. You know, we we self-identify as being the hardest working person in the room. And we are, I mean, many times we are. And the most challenging thing, Vince, is I never want to discredit all the incredible things, all the incredible accomplishments and achievements and successes and gifts to the community that that hard work has given. I mean, that hard work paid off. That hard work did amazing things but we get to a point in our lives where that hard work has stopped being what's supporting our success and it actually becomes what's stopping us from up-leveling to the next level. You know, that hard work kept you alive. It paid your bills, you know, it maybe even got you the love of your life. It got you a dental degree. It did amazing, amazing things. So looking back on hard work and shaming ourselves doesn't, doesn't help either because that hard work was so important. But when you get to a place where things feel unfulfilling, where things feel exhausting, when you feel like you're on this treadmill of your own creation, and you feel like you're just running and you can't slow down, or you know, you go on holiday and it takes you three days to unwind. Three of your of your precious four <laughs> days you you can't calm down. You know, that's when we start to realize, oh wait, there's a next level of success that I need to train my body for. There's the next level of deeper understanding. It's an evolution of our success and of our understanding of ourselves. You know, we give ourselves permission to have known a certain amount of math when we were five, and then we evolved when we were eight, and we evolved when we were in high school, we evolved in college. We give ourselves permission to evolve on so many other levels. But we should also give ourselves permission to evolve our definition of success. You know, that has to change over time. And there gets to a point in your life where you realize I'm no longer willing to tolerate burning myself to the ground because it's beginning to feel like it's eroding from me and we start to see it taking its toll on our bodies, on our mental health, on our relationships and even on our bank accounts because once again as you mentioned when we feel good we can do good and that's the magic but when we feel bad that's when we start seeing things either plateauing or actually slipping and we think well I've been working hard I keep working hard I'm going to try and work harder and our go-to is do more so I talk about this do more mentality because doing more is what has always gotten us success but do more actually is in exact competition with living more. And so one of the concepts I teach in Radical Happiness is how do we tap into the live more mindset to find more whole fulfillment in our lives and still deliver on that beautiful passion for taking care of our patients, providing for our families, you know, giving ourselves the financial support to appreciate the freedom that our wealth can provide.
0: Well, it's so interesting because my comment was going to be, it sounds like the old definition of success is purely status driven, material driven. And the new definition is more of a spiritual whole life living. But then you just mentioned in this new definition of success, there's also more financial success, which I wasn't expecting for you to say that. So can you go a little deeper into that part of it?
1: Yeah, I don't think we, I don't believe we need to give up on our big, beautiful dreams, even financial dreams, financial goals. Absolutely not. I'll tell you that when I started taking care of myself, my practice took off. It was more successful than any practice that I had had before. That just paying attention to me was the magic. I mean, that really is the secret is that we've thought, we've told ourselves this whole time that we need to take care of everyone else around us. But really the important thing is to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of everyone else around us. You know, that old adage of you can't pour from an empty cup is not a cliche where, you know, it's such an important thing to remember because when you feel great about yourself, you want to take care of others. You have more energy. You find compassion for your patients. And that energetic shift from urgency or need of people to come to your office or need for people to like you is palpable. You know, as, as human beings, we recognize that authenticity, we recognize that energy. And so, of course, people were flocking to my office because I was resonating on a whole different level. I wasn't begging people to come and see me. I was available for them because I was completely whole and filled myself. And, you know, the same thing with my family. I noticed that when I was in a really good place, my kids were in a really good place. My, my husband and I, we're in a really good place, you know, that, that, when I mentioned to you earlier, I had, I still practice the same orthodontics and the same way that I, um, accept payment. It's the same as true for my husband. It's the same guy. (laughs) 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 I I didn't leave him, but everything changed when I stopped making him responsible for my happiness, you know? And so absolutely financial Um, abundance is there. And it's such an exciting way to exchange energy. And it, it gets me excited. I love growing businesses. I love creative enterprises. I love I own four businesses. I love it. For me, that that's one of my values. It lights me up, it brings me happiness. So I would never tell anybody that if there's something that brings you enormous joy, that you shouldn't, you shouldn't go after it but taking care of yourself is the magic. Yeah.
0: Intellectually, I believe you and I hear you. Um, from an emotional level, I have such resistance to that and maybe other people do too. When I look at my childhood, my parents sacrificed everything for their kids They have everything. So I have ingrained in my brain, if I'm suffering, that's a good gauge that the people I love are happy. And they're not suffering. Yeah.
1: So beautiful. Thank you so much for recognizing that. I'm so grateful that you mentioned that because I think that is true for so many people. And I know that was true for me too. You know, I'm from South Africa originally. My family immigrated. That hard work ethic was ingrained in us. You know, we had you know very little money when we moved to America and so i saw in my parents burning themselves to the ground for us you know working 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 never taking care of themselves and to me that was equated to love and and i'm so grateful that you recognize that resistance because that is the first part of awareness of recognizing oh my system doesn't doesn't like this intellectually i want to believe you but my system is not buying into this. And that awareness is everything because now there's something we can work with. Now there's a belief that you just identified that you realize is a limiting belief. It's a limiting belief because if you had a non-limiting belief, you'd be able to say, you know, I can be enormously successful with ease and joy and enjoy my life every day. But if that's sparking some little bit of discomfort, you recognize, oh, there's a belief in there that was probably ingrained in me from a very young age that's limiting me from actually experiencing that in my life. And that's when we start the subconscious reprogramming. So 100%, I love positive affirmations. I love beautiful, cute memes on Facebook that make (laughs) me feel good. But they don't work unless we get to the subconscious limitations and the beliefs. You know, it's, it's like that iceberg analogy. The top 5% of the iceberg that we see above the water is our conscious brain. And it doesn't matter how much we feed that conscious brain, there's an enormous iceberg underneath of subconscious belief that 95% of our perspective is ruled by. And that's why it's so important to go through a program like Radical Happiness for Practitioners to deeper understand those subconscious beliefs that are holding you back from taking action on your dreams. Because I'll tell you, it is absolutely possible to run the most, um, the, the most successful orthodontic practice in the state on three days a week, with joy and ease and loving every day because I'm living proof of it. And you know, 15 years ago I would, I I left, I left dentistry because I was terrified because I thought I can't do this, it's not possible. And so the only thing that changed once again was taking a look at those limiting beliefs that I had and then learning how to listen to my body as you just did so beautifully, learning to pay attention to when my body reacted and said, nope, not possible, and then taking a deeper look at understanding why is it that I believe that and is that belief actually mine or was it one that I borrowed from my parents, my society, my dental school, You know, all those things that we're told you should or shouldn't do or believe, all those things we attach to ourselves that don't really belong to us, that really are things that we took from outside of ourselves to define our reality. And when we start to question those things, now we start to unlock freedom.
0: Let's go a little deeper, because I know you can't go into the whole process, but yeah. How would we start to break after the awareness, these limiting beliefs?
1: Oh, super. So the, the first step is awareness. So the very first step is actually being aware that there is a limiting belief. That's number one. And then the next step is giving yourself permission to be open to another way. Okay. So, one of the, the, one of the practices that we play with in Radical Happiness for Practitioners is our thoughts. Our thoughts lead to our emotions. Our emotions lead to our behaviors and our behaviors lead to a result. So imagine that as a loop, I call it a thought loop. So if you had a thought like, this is very stressful, Right. Dentistry is stressful. So that's the thought that's ingrained in you from a previous, from a belief. So dentistry is stressful. How would that make you feel? Every thought we have instigates a feeling. So how would that feel to you, Vince, if I said dentistry is stressful? Stress,
0: anxiety, anger, maybe.
1: Yeah, I love that. Blame, blame. Yeah, yeah, blame. I love that. Yeah. So when we have that feeling, stress, anxiety, anger, blame, how does that show up in your behavior
0: for me personally it would be withdrawal like you said flee like if i'm stressed you're not getting a word out of me
1: beautiful so now you're withdrawing you're not showing up authentically you're not addressing conversations with team members that need to be had you're not addressing patience about possible conflicts or problems you're not addressing personal relationships because you're fleeing from that conversation and so what is the result the result is the stress keeps building because we're not addressing things as we should and that leads to the thought that dentistry is stressful and so we go through this thought loop over and over and over again and it's fed by a belief that this is the way it has to be right So what we can do is we can actually interrupt that pattern. And the way we interrupt it is we interrupt between the thought and the feeling. We recognize the feeling and we ask ourselves, what is a better feeling thought? And so a better feeling thought might be, you know, um, I have so many resources around me to help me with stress. And now the feeling is. Okay, a little bit more calm, a little bit more confident. So maybe now our actions are a little bit different maybe we feel supported, but we keep feeding ourselves the thought that leads to the feeling that gives us the, the behavior and the result that we want. So another way to look at it is to ask yourself, what is the result that I want so that I can reverse engineer this thought loop? I want the result of stress-free practice. So what is the behavior that needs to happen for stress-free practice? And then once we identify that behavior, we ask ourselves, how do I need to feel about that in order to show up, address those conversations that are important conversations? How do I need to feel? Well, I need to feel confident. I need to feel empowered. I need to feel safe. I need to feel compassionate. I need to feel like a good person in order to show up confidently as myself. And then we feed ourselves the thoughts that we need to think in order to get ourselves to that place. And we tell ourselves, well, what do you mean I feed myself the thoughts? The fascinating thing is that we are not our thoughts. Not, in fact, I teach in Radical Happiness for Practitioners, never trust a single thought you're thinking. Because those thoughts are always subsequent to beliefs that were set, given to us, as I mentioned, from other, other places, from our environment, from society, from the media, from our parents, from our religious upbringing. And so our thoughts are not who we are. We actually get to choose a new thought. And when we come across a thought that just won't release, Now we know we have a subconscious belief that's really fueling that thought. And now we can take a deeper look at that subconscious belief and ask ourselves, where did this come from? And the most important question, is it true? Is it true that in order to be successful, I have to be stressed out all the time? Is it true that other people are happy when I'm stressed out. We start to ask ourselves and question those beliefs and start to see how those beliefs were just established in our psyche from our lived experience that may, we may have been perpetuating our whole lives. We've been giving ourselves more and more evidence of it because we were stuck in this thought loop that was fed by that subconscious belief.
0: Wow. I just, I had this thought while you were saying this, like why yes. coaching is so important and why the work you're doing is so important because you're probably the spark of the awareness. Because how many people are 40, 50, 60, they have this program running in their brain for while and they never know they have these beliefs that are limiting what they want to happen. And they need somebody like you to pull it out of them and say like, this is where the belief has gone wrong.
1: It really helps to have someone mirror that back to you. It really does. I mean, I'm sure you have this experience yourself when you have a friend or a colleague who you see is spinning out and you can see their life from a new, from a different perspective and you wish you could just help them. <laughs> you wish you could just show them the resources that are available to them. And so, yes, I I owe everything to my coach. I still on a weekly basis meet with my coach and I'm so grateful to her and I am so grateful to be able to offer that support to our colleagues because I think it's such a valuable asset to have somebody outside of you be able to mirror for you those thoughts, beliefs that are driving your actions. I mean,
0: we're so blind to the way we act sometimes and the way we think. And there's always a saying like people will say the whole room smells, but they can't smell themselves. Yeah.
1: I know, it's so true. You, have you ever heard, I love this this um, this little fable, the two fish, have you heard about no. the two fish? So there's these two fish and they're swimming along, these these young fish and an older fish is swimming up towards them and he says, hey boys, how's the water? And he swims past and these two younger fish look at each other and they go, what was that all about? And the other one says, I don't know, what the heck's water? <laughs> yeah,
0: how true is that? Oh my gosh, yeah. Right.
1: Right? We don't even realize that consciousness that we're swimming in, that fallacy that we're feeding our brains, feeding our minds on a daily basis. We're not even aware of the water. Yeah, and, and that's where coaching really does come into play where we can start to actually recognize, oh, wait a minute, I'm swimming in water.
0: Yeah, I mean, how many dentists are swimming in stress and they go decades <laughs> and they have no idea.
1: No idea. No idea. And so, you know, I do think I, I'm always in awe of the people who self-identify as needing support, because I think that's the most courageous act. You know, we always, we all know people who've lived their whole lives without the awareness of what was happening in their own hearts and in their own heads, without even the awareness of the power they have to create their own reality. And so every time someone says, I need some support, I need some help, it's such, it's such a humbling experience to watch someone self-identify that they're ready for that next step in their, in their development and their evolution, because it is such a courageous act. And, you know, I believe it's our life's purpose. You know, everyone says, you know, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? I think each of our purposes to grow and ascend and to understand ourselves better. That's it.
0: I love that you said it's courageous because that would be a limiting belief system too, that you're weak if you need help. Maybe it's it's the opposite. Maybe you're strong if you identify that you need help.
1: Beautifully said. So
0: we're coming up on the hour mark. This flew by. Um, I always end with two questions. The first question is, what is one major takeaway you'd want the audience to have from this interview?
1: That happiness is available to everyone. You know, sometimes we think there's something wrong with me or I don't know if I actually could find peace and happiness, or this is just who I am. I'm just built this way. You know, I I can't, I'll always be stressed. I come from stressed people, and this is the way I am. And I would love for anyone who's listening to know that each of us has a deeply, deeply ingrained power to find happiness, to find, true success in life and inner fulfillment and that it's available to everyone and that it just takes that courageous act of recognizing that something needs to shift and that that is a desire you have to ask for happiness. That's so good. It
0: is not a badge of honor to be unhappy. Don't wear that badge. Yeah. Thank you. And the last one, and this is like a perfect platform for what you are. Coaching for because a lot of my patients listen to this podcast, and a lot of my patients are physicians. So, oh, can fabulous. you? T- I know you have a master class this Friday. You have the Radical Happiness. Can you tell us about your classes coming up, where to find you, and how people can work with you?
1: Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Yeah, you can find me on www.thebizofhappiness.com. Or you can check out my podcast, The Business of Happiness Podcast. And really everything coming up is, is really listed on the website. But you know, I love working with clients one-on-one. I love working with clients in a group or in a program uh, or on workshops. And um, I think I just love to be able to support men and women in medicine and dentistry to find that happiness for themselves because then we have a ripple effect You know, that's the most rewarding thing. Because when you find that joy and happiness and peace for yourself, now your team members start to, it starts to wash off over them. And, you know, you're slowly by modeling this new perspective, this new behavior, we're instilling those behavior patterns in our team even in our patients, you know, all of these practices, we can teach to our patients in the chair. And it's so incredible to watch their healing, rapid, rapid healing in terms of, you know, in orthodontics, we do um, orthognathic surgery, uh, or at least we work with oral surgeons with our patients and we set them up for orthognathic surgery. And I'm told by oral surgeons constantly that my patients heal faster because I'm giving them this empowerment over their own bodies and their own healing, over their own emotional state to allow their bodies to work with their healing, to allow their bodies to fast track their healing and not let that fear or anxiety get in the way of what their bodies know naturally how to do
0: you're on the right path. You are such a good, you're an inspiration. It is so re, so refreshing you, to talk to somebody with such a positive outlook. I know we talked a few times outside the podcast. I know a little bit of your history and the fact that you're smiling from ear to ear and you're helping people live better lives. It's truly the best life you can live. So I really appreciate everything you're doing.
1: Thank you. I feel like the luckiest human alive. I feel so grateful for this incredible opportunity in my life. And I just want to say thank you to you. This platform is so amazing. And I'm so grateful to have been introduced to you into this thank podcast. Thank
0: you. And then can I have you back on for a part two? Perfect. That'd be amazing. Well, yes. enjoy the rest of the week. And I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.